welcome to the Saint podcast. Thanks for joining us. Our vision is to bring hope to the people of East London, and I'm praying that you would feel so encouraged by this week's talk. Thank you so much. Well, good morning, everyone. How are you doing? You okay? Wasn't that amazing? Um, and uh, welcome to everyone watching online as well, and to all of you in the room. If I've not met you before, uh, the most important thing about me is that I'm married to Jenna. We've got three uh, beautiful kids, and um, we live here in Hackney. And um, we love this church. And uh, today we get the privilege of starting a new little series for us as a community called uh, Origins. And um, really, we wanted to get right back to the root of what it means to be called the people of God. Uh, Because so much has changed, so much is going on, that we wanted to get right back to the start of it. And do you know those, um, like, candy cane, like those rock, uh, you know, things? If you were to snap, I can't eat them anymore, it would wreck my teeth. But if you were to snap them open, you know, it can can look different on the outside than it does in the middle. And my hope is that through this time, if you're exploring what life uh, might be like here at Saint, that right at the heart of us, you'd find a few key things. And, um, and we want to unpack those together. And today I want to talk to you about community. And um, specifically, I want to talk to you about authentic community. If I'm honest, that's really what's on my uh, heart to share with you this morning. It's all about uh, the power of authentic community because we love this church. Since my wife, um, Jenna, and I moved to this area about four and a half, five years ago, um, within a few months, we'd started a little community group in Homerton, which is where we were living at the time. And we've just not stopped meeting ever since. It's taken on so many different shapes. Uh, it's, you know, we've done like the, the younger thing, the young professionals thing, the multi-generational thing, the online thing. We've done it all. We've done the marriages thing, the parenting thing. We've been in it. And it's been amazing for us to just walk the walk of faith with friends. And, and I just want to let you know that we love this church. We love you. I, I genuinely mean that. For everyone watching online, like we have such a love for this house, for this community. And it grows over time, but it just, I feel like it just increases in me. And uh, I get so, we feel such a privilege to be a part of this family. And it really does feel like a family. And that's good news too, because we are created for connection, aren't we? We're, we're created for connection, not just with God, but with one another too. We are made for it. We're not made to be alone. And the even better news is that Jesus was really into community. I don't know if you know that about Jesus, but time and time again, the Gospels unpack all about Jesus' customs. And like, for example, in Luke 4, 16, it says, as was his custom, he went to the temple. Translate that forward. As was his com- like he was a churchgoer. This, he was a church kid. He was there every week. He just loved the church. Um, you know, in other parts of the Gospels, in Mark 6 and in Luke 13, it says that he was found counting the offering. I hope he was invited to do that. But, um, but you know, on a Sunday, that was one of his jobs that he did. It says uh, as well um, that in uh, Luke 13:10 that he taught with great authority. He was a teacher in the church, in the family of the church. And then there's this New Testament scholar, this guy called Robert Karras, that said this. He said, in St. Luke's Gospel, Jesus is either going to a meal is at a meal or coming from a meal. As if to say he's like really into community and particularly into food-based community, which I love about Jesus. Anyone else into food-based community? Okay, great. Okay, getting some amens in the room. And then all throughout scripture, we see this love growing for the church and the people of God. In the Psalms, the psalmist says in Psalm 69 that the zeal for your house consumes me, Lord. 
This passion for the church was just growing in them. King David himself says uh, this in Psalm 16, verse 3. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. And so there's this great kind of narrative we're picking up that like Jesus loves community. He loves his church community. He loves his bride in that way. And we get to join in with that story. And just before we move on, I just wanted to actually honour someone here, Temi, who's actually he's online right now, um, leading our online service, and the amazing group of volunteers that have been around uh, Temi and I in um, putting on our, we have a groups uh, resource called School of Life, that's really uh, helping to try and equip people to study the Bible together. This is kind of like what one of the recording sessions looked like, um, to equip each of us to be able to, in our homes, study the Bible, study the Word of God with our friends and family. And um, I just thought it could be really cool to honour them, because it has been hard graft through the lockdown, uh, keeping the the word alive, active, and in our home. So why don't we just honour Temi? We love you, man, and um, everyone online, and all those involved. And so, as we are rebuilding into this uh, season, this new kind of season of church together, what I'm realising, and I don't know uh, if this is the same for you, but so much has changed for me. So much has changed from pre-lockdown, during lockdown, and post-lockdown. And I feel like I'm far enough through this kind of autumn term now already to be able to articulate some of those changes. Like, my social energy is different. I don't know, does anyone else relate to that? You kind of go out, it takes you three weeks to recover. It's like, oh man, um, social anxiety, if I'm honest, has been another big one. You, you fl- like, I used to love massive rooms. Now I find myself like drifting towards the corners to sort of stand quietly by myself. You know, there's, this, there's these changes I'm noticing in myself. There's these patterns of life that have changed. There's these interactions of life that have changed. And I hope to articulate a little bit so- something of a lived description of what life lived here in the St. Community could look like that I hope and pray will resonate with you uh, today. And so we're going to look at this little passage in the Old Testament in uh, Zechariah. If you know the little letter uh, written by Zechariah, Zechariah chapter 2, we're going to read verses 1 to 5. And it's in kind of like the prophets part, like nearer the end of the Old Testament. And um, I shared this with our group leaders a, a couple of weeks ago, and I just kind of felt stirred to really bring it to you as the church Um, as we look at this together. You good? You ready for this? Going to get in the word of God. It says this. So then I looked up, and there before me was a man with a measuring line in his hand. I asked, where are you going? And he answered me, to measure Jerusalem, to find out how wide and how long it is. While the angel who was speaking to me was leaving, another angel came to meet him and said to him, run and tell that young man, that young person, Jerusalem will be a city without walls because there's a great number of people and animals in it. And I myself will be a wall of fire around it, declares the Lord, and I will be its glory within. Why don't we just take a moment to pray, um, because I'm hoping that there's going to be an encouragement in this for each of us that I'd love us to capture. So Father, thank you, Lord, for this chance to be together, to look at your word, to know what it looks like to be in community with you and with one another. I pray, God, that you would give us zeal for your house, passion for your church, for one another in this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So a little bit of context here. Jerusalem, the city of Jerusalem has been, uh, prior to this, completely destroyed. 
And uh, the people of God that lived in the city have all been uh, cast out into exile. They've been living in a scattered place, not connected with one another at all. And they have now returned to the city and the people of God are trying to rebuild the city, right? They are hard at work about rebuilding the city of God. And what Zechariah does, if you're um, anything like me, you're, you're wondering like, how God are we going to fit it all in again? Like we did church this way before in the city. And now I'm wondering how, now we've all been out, are we all going to fit back in? So what does Zechariah do? He gets out his measuring tape and he, and he literally sets to work trying to figure out, he walk, he's literally walking around a city just like, okay, maybe seven people. Do you know what I mean? It's kind of, he's trying to figure out and put to measure what God is going to do in the new season of church uh, based on the old one. And so he's there with his mate. He's like, oh, I need a strategy for this. We're going to need to build a structure for our kids' work. And he's out and about like this. And he's just fo- so focused on strategies and structures for how this stuff is going to happen. And what happens is that the angel shows up and he says, hey, I've got a word for that young person. And he says, you know, your focus is on entirely the wrong thing. He says, you're so preoccupied trying to figure out the strategy for, like, can we do all the same courses we did before? Should church services look exactly the same as it did before? Should my family go out this many times a week in the night? Do you know what I mean? Should it all look the same? Give me the magic formula. I don't know if anyone else is still looking for that, but I find I am straining and stretching for that magic formula for my life that's going to make everything fit back in and me feel great about what God's going to do in and through our lives, our family and our church. And so I'm busy during my week trying to figure out how should groups look this week? How should Alpha run this time? I hope people feel included. Should we be running bereavement courses for so many of us that have lost loved ones? Should we be doing anxiety? Do you know what I mean? The list goes on. And I want you to think about your own life in that context. I'm busy with our measure. And the angel says, stop, 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 stop. You're so busy and preoccupied on the strategies and structures I want your focus to be on my presence and my people. And he says, you know, the verse two, it says, um, you know, I've come to measure how wide and how long it is. So as all these people come and try and explore church, hopefully we can fit them all in. And Jesus says to you and me, he says, don't worry about that. As if to say, I feel like he's going to surprise me with who he's going to bring back, you know, bring back to church. There's this sense that no one's going to come back. Everyone's done with that. No one wants to regather. But actually, the angel shows up. And he says this. I myself, God says this, I myself is going to be the wall of fire around you. Like my presence is going to be the boundary marker for this church. And do you know what it's going to be known for? My glory within you. He says, like, you cannot measure what I'm about to do within you and within you as a people. You just can't, you can't get the measuring line. You, the tape won't go that far. So stop trying. And my sense is this, that, you know, we're going to get to that point where we are thinking, God, I, I can only fit this many services in a day. And God's going to say, let me blow your mind about what it looks like to be the people of God again. I want to fill you with my presence. I want to fill you with my fire. That will be what you're known for. Where Saint Community is going to end, where the church is going to end is where his presence ends. 
If you know about Moses, it says, hey, if you don't go with me, do not send me because where your presence isn't going, I'm not going either. And there's this correction moment when we think about what community looks like in the people of God that is so focused, needs to be so focused, I believe, on his presence and on his people, on one another. And so I believe that God wants to shift our view of community away from structures and strategies for a little while and bring our gaze right onto one another, onto the story of all we've learned these last 18 months. You know, all that it's been these kind of last 18 months, all the questions, the doubts, the not meeting together, the social anxiety, the social expectation now. He wants to gather all together and say, I want to meet you where you're at. And I want to build my church. And uh, let me say this, there is nothing wrong with being known for having great buildings. I feel passionately that we want to create these spaces to serve community for hundreds of years. So we're going to invest in every building we ever have the privilege of serving within because we want the church to seem like it's alive. We want the church to be alive. But I don't think God wants us to be famous for our buildings. He wants us to be famous for being people of His presence, filled with His Spirit. That's where the boundary line is going to end on this stuff. And what a great description it is of the church God wants to build here at Saint. Amen? And so God's presence is going to be our boundary marker and His presence within us will be the glory that we're known for. Like broken people being made whole again. It's the beauty of Alpha and hearing Lauren talk about his dad and James talk about his own experience of finding a Jesus that loves you exactly as you are. It's his glory within. That's his glory within you. And so um, in this kind of origins series, I want to take us back to the start of the church before it, was ever, before it ever had structures or strategies right at the start, right at the root of the beginning of the story of the church, they called themselves the way. And this community without buildings per se, uh, they give us this great description of what community should really look like. And in Acts 2, verse 42 to 47, the Spirit of God has just been poured out on the church at Pentecost and he's made it possible for people of difference to be together in a really beautiful and profound way. And it says this about the community. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts or in church. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is a radical picture of church community. It's our origin story of people who are focused on God's presence as they taught one another, as they hung out together, as they broke bread or ate pitta and prayed God did these wonders and miracles in their midst. They found they had so much in common. They gave to anyone that had needs in the community. They showed up to cheer one another on at church. And the Lord added daily 
to their number. As they focused their eyes on each other and on God's presence, God grew it. He grew it. He just kept adding and adding and adding because he could see the health of it. Isn't that amazing that so often I think in our lives we try and uh, over-spiritualize, like how am I going to do X, Y, Z? How am I going to grow in my faith? And God just says, could you just be present to someone around you? Can you just make a difference to the person that you speak with before you leave the service? Can you make it your mission in church today to make someone's day? Do you know what I mean? Just like fight over trying to get someone a coffee. And it's a weird thing, but uh, you know, so few people I wonder get served in their week. What a beautiful gesture. Oh, hey, could I get you that to your coffee? Oh, hey, could I help you with that door? Oh, hey, I'm so pleased you're here. God's going to build off that kind of culture. And that's why in Saint, we say, uh, everyone that belongs to this church community, we'd love for you to do four things. They're not legalistic things. They're just things found in our origin story. Everybody belong. Everybody find somewhere to help. Everybody pray and everybody give. It's not new news. It's our origin story. Because as we do those things, God's going to add to the number. He's going to add to the number. It's his strategy. And I'm convinced that people don't want to come to church anymore and just go through the motions. Does anyone else feel like that? I, I, I don't, like if you're here going through the motions, that's actually, that's okay. But I, I, I don't, I want, I really need Jesus. Like I really need Jesus. I need his presence. More now than I've ever done. I need it to raise my kids. I need it to like love my wife well. I need it to work well. I need it to feel called and purposeful and passionate about what I do. I need his presence. So church is this place where I don't want us to be a mile wide and just an inch deep. I want us to dig deep. I want us to build family. You can't grow if you're not planted. And my prayer is that you feel the same that you want to belong to somewhere where you're like, it's going to be painful at times. People are going to see the hidden parts of me, but it's going to be worth it because God's going to cause increase. And so what, what I wanted to do, my, I got this friend, he's this amazing pastor in the US. And um, it's funny, we've got this like um, Instagram friendship and he's just amazing. And um, he, he said this by way of an invitation to join church community, Daniel Grody. He said, if you follow Jesus, then get, up, get yourself up on Sunday, wash your face and get to church. Put yourself in the way of the saints who have what you need. Realise that in staying away from the church, you are missing out. And then go to church so that you can put yourself in the way of those who need what you have. Realise also that when you stay away from the church, others are missing out. Isn't that good? Every week, come ready to give and to receive. Friends, put yourself in the way of the saints. Put yourself in the way of the saints every day. Fight for it because we need community. But here's what we don't need. We don't need uh, perfection. This community is not about being perfect. If anyone's ever said you're only able to show up when you've got it all together, put on your best and show up and go through the motions. I just want to correct that in you. I want to correct that in me. And just ask my group, if you're, if you're honest, 
So on Tuesday night, great example. Tuesday night, we're on Zoom. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Zoom, connect, yeah. But we're on Zoom, and actually it's been an amazing gift to our group. We're all kind of generally young families for the most part, and we can't get babysitters to be out on a weekly basis, so we jump on Zoom. But what was happening on uh, Tuesday night was every time I spoke, I don't know what was going on, we did an upgrade on our Zoom on our iPad. Every time Jenna and I spoke, it gave a thumbs up emoji. Like, as if I was like, everyone was, as if I was saying to every t- everyone every time we spoke that I wanted them to like encourage me. <laughs> I was like, oh, what, what do you think then? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it was really annoying. I was sort of, people sharing honestly and openly. And I was like, wow, that's, that, that sounds really hard. <laughs> do you know what I mean? There was another time where I was in my, um, in Connect Group, we were in person and um, we were praying for one another at the end of the time. And it was in our house. I was on my favorite chair and I fell asleep while someone was prophesying over me. Has anyone ever done that before? Yeah. <laughs> so I snored and, and, and interrupted their prayer. So it's not about being perfect, okay? You can get this stuff wrong. It is not about being perfect, but it is about being there. I'm so grateful that my friends would take a chance on praying for me and prophesying over me and speaking life into me even when I'm fast asleep. I mean, I do feel for them. But um, (laughs) me and my wife have this joke that we run the worst connect group in the world. Um, But we just love it. We're just like, we're just going to keep doing it and just trusting that one day God's going to make something of it. But it's amazing because we just need it so much. And here's the thing. Jesus knows our hypocritical nature, doesn't he? He knows everything there is to know about you. And he came to unite us. So I want you to picture the scene for me. Um, they are all there in the upper room, right at the end of the Gospels. Jesus, this is the night that he was going to be betrayed. And on one side of the table, you've got Peter, who's confidently shouting, I'll never betray you, Jesus. Only within a few hours to betray him three times. But then you look to the other side of the table and you find Judas, who is sat there literally with his lines, with his pockets lined with the blood money of his rejection of Jesus. And a little bit like me, like, that's my mess at the table too. Now, Jesus doesn't have to show up. He could clear the room, but what does he do? He arrives anyway. He knows all of it. And yet he sits and he shares his presence with them, doesn't he? He sits and he breaks bread and he has a meal with all that imperfection around him. And that's what he does with each of us because He wants to share his presence with his people. It's always been his plan because God really believes in you and in making something of your journey and your story. And so community is not about being perfect. Community is also not the place where we have to be the same. I don't know if anyone's ever told you about this, but I want you to understand how Jesus himself built community real quick. Matthew 10 verses 2 to 4. Have we got this verse? And he is literally about to send out his 12 that he's been hanging out with his small group. And this is what he says. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, you've got Simon, who is called Peter and his brother Andrew. James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, son of Altheus. And Thaddeus, Simon the zealot and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. I want you just to pick up on something real fun in here. Jesus of the list of the 12 only names 
two people by title as well as name. The tax collector, the guy who's in effect betrayed his own community to now work for the Roman Empire. He is the oppressor now working for the oppressor over the oppressed. Okay, this is a, quite a bad guy to choose to be in your group because this guy worked for Rome. And then the other guy, have you noticed? Simon the Zealot. Now a zealot, if you know, as I'm sure you do much about first century, I'm joking. Zealots were this violent insurgent sect in the first century um, who they basically used guerrilla tactics to fight Rome. It was, their, it was their reason for being. They were a gang that fought against Rome and Roman officials. So you've got to understand that, um, oh, actually, in, in the Hebrew, Sicaria, these zealots, they were nicknamed Daggermen for obvious reasons. They, they came loaded. And so you, in this small group of 12, you've got, you've got Matthew, the tax collector, who works for Rome. And then you've got the guy whose job it is to carry out violent attacks on the people who work for Rome. Same small group. Do you think they always got on? No. What do you think the small group discussion would have been like? Yeah. Then you've got the Sons of Thunder. I don't know if you know much about James and John, but it was their nickname, the Sons of Thunder, because they basically spent their whole time calling fire down on people and stuff and trying to hurt people and tell people off and kick people out of things. They were just fiery, fiery guys. And they actually got a nickname. So you got, you got, the, you got the, the guy in the gang. You got the corrupt banker. You got the hotheads in the middle. And then you got Judas, who's this calculating doubter, just ready to hurt someone and speak a little bit of negativity. Can you imagine their group discussion? <laughs> I'm like, put me on the wall of that room to hear those conversations. But God is after unity, not uniformity. As if to say, God shows us in Jesus how you can take such difference and make something really beautiful out of it. God can take the corrupt banker. He can take the guy struggling in a gang. He can take the people with a bad temper. He can take the people that doubt. And he can do something incredible with them. He can forge the church. You know, we're called to be connected, interconnected, diverse and different. That's what authentic community is like. And you know, if we manage to do that, that is a letter of real hope to the world. Because it was made possible by the outpouring of his presence on Pentecost. That it could mean that every tribe, nation, tongue and creed could understand that in God there is hope for community. There is hope for oneness. And it's been our journey and our story ever since, right from our origin. And it remain, remains to this day. Community is not about being perfect. It's not about being the same. Community is the place to be yourself. And I really believe that. I just think community is the place where you can learn what it is to be human. Where people rub their pains and their sorrows and their joy alongside one another. And we learn how to do this life well. A community, if I'm honest, in our just connect groups, small group of 10 or so people, we've had to watch one of our really close friends die in our connect group of cancer really young. It was awful. 
So I didn't, didn't realise I was over that as I thought there. We've watched people get amazing job promotions, fall in love, get married, have children, suffer great loss, make amazing friends, feel their calling pulled out of one another. Why? Just because people chose to be themselves, show up with all that they had to bring. And God makes something of the story of the church, still meeting week after week. And um, we were having dinner with some friends the other day, and um, they're in the room actually. And um, I asked him if he'd write down his experience of what being a group had made in his life, the difference it had made. And this is what he said. He said, six years ago, I asked Jesus to come into my life and he radically changed it. Radically is a funny word because most of that change was gradual. Radically is, however, the perfect word to describe how Christ set me free from a long-standing relationship with drug abuse. And he did it through a group. One night we addressed what we wanted our group to look like and unanimously agreed it should be a place where it was safe to be vulnerable about our struggles, our pain and our fear. It was in this space that brought what was really going in my heart, going on in my heart, out. After I left that night, I could feel the change. Something radical had happened and even in moments of struggle, all I could do to explain my freedom was that I knew that there were people, close friends, praying for me, and through them, the Holy Spirit had set me free. I stopped abusing drugs that night and have been free from that ever since. Isn't that amazing? There is power in authentic community. There is power in being a people that are focused on God's presence and on one another. And um, what I thought uh, we could do right now is um, not go through the motions just for a few minutes and just invite God's presence to be with his people and make something of this community again, as he does every day, as he pours out. Is that okay? Because I just really believe that God wants to get right to the heart of who we are because he wants us to be fully alive in him. And so it's okay to bring your doubts and your questions, your struggles, your hopes the expectations to the altar because at the altar of God there is transformation and hope in Jesus name Amen Thanks for listening to this week's talk If you'd like to find out more give or connect with us visit our website saint.church Have a great week and we'll see you soon